I always think I stand up here so you don't have to have a welcome. I, I'm, I'm at home here. I, I love coming over to Seaford and um, it's always lovely to be here. I'm always so encouraged, actually, because um, whenever we have this time of worship, it's just wonderful. It's like that God goes before you and, um, and, you know, God goes before us. I, I love the idea that we come in and we worship and, and we're singing, oh, what a saviour. Wonderful Jesus, and then and then Rob comes in and, and is led to to um, speak about what God is speaking to us today about um, bringing kingdom here on earth. The whole of this series is about signs of the kingdom of God, and I think are we three weeks in? Is that right? Yeah, about three weeks. It was about the, this is the fourth week, I think. And basically, in a nutshell, uh, the kingdom of God is basically the rule and reign of God over all creation over everything he has made. Uh, when God's kingdom comes, that's basically, uh, we, we see what is true of heaven here on earth. And I think this morning, when, when we're praying for each other, sometimes we just think, oh, you know, we're just sort of like someone comes up with a, a word and we just pray. And now that is a, a slice of heaven coming down into earth here in Seaford amongst us. I think sometimes we just think, just take it for granted. Oh, that was really nice. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, that was good. That was a taste of heaven coming down here. And for me, I get really encouraged by that. I get excited when you think, God, you really are here. I don't know about you. Sometimes I can doubt. It might surprise you, <laughs> but you think, actually, we all sometimes have times where we doubt. And then that happens. You think, God, you go before us. You are with us. We have a taste of heaven here on earth in Seaford and and that's what he wants to do that's what he wants to do that's what he wants to bring and that's what our, our whole of this series is about uh, and it's, it's split over so you have we're well, basically we're going to be looking at a whole number of signs seven signs of the kingdom and each sign is going to be I think two weeks on it uh, last two weeks has been joy hasn't it so the first one was looking at how Jesus brought joy and the second week was how we can then bring joy and we're now looking at for the next two weeks peace I'm looking at how Jesus brought peace and how he modelled bringing peace. So again, when uh, Rob said he felt the Lord was saying there's people here with some anxiety and troubles and, and headaches, said, but God wants to bring peace. I really believe that. And I think that even more so on a day like today when we're speaking on that, you know, you think actually have faith to think God is here. God is speaking. Let's claim our peace. The kingdom was central to Jesus' life and ministry. He told parables and stories about it. He taught his disciples to pray for it. He rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees for missing it. Uh, he taught people how to enter into it. And everywhere he went, he revealed it. So everywhere he went, there was, there was healing. He healed the sick. He set the oppressed free. And then he passed the baton on to his disciples, to us. And he said to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom wherever they went. So not just here in the school hall, wherever we go, that's what he's asking us to do. Throughout Jesus' life, his major focus was on seeing his kingdom advance on earth. And actually, that's what he wants our focus to be as well. Um, so today, we're going to be looking at peace, as I said before, kingdom of peace. And uh, next week as well, Wendy will be coming and be looking at how we can then bring peace. He'll be looking more at the application. Um, it'd be easy really to say, wouldn't it, that when you look at all the signs of the kingdom, that peace is sometimes looked upon as being like the, the lame one, a little bit weak, a little bit feeble. You know, you, you hear it, oh, may the peace be with you. And you kind of, it's said so frequently, you don't really think much about it. Surely the more powerful signs, more exciting signs are those about healing and, and, and restoration and, and, and um, seeing people set free. 
The truth is, people who don't know Jesus, and some of us here, actually are desperate for peace. So many people are living with stress and anxiety in their lives, and, and it has a terrible impact on health and quality of life. We had a lady, and doesn't mind me telling her story, in fact, she loves um, me telling her story. Uh, she was a single mum, is still a single mum, um, from an abusive background, became a, um, a Christian probably about 10 years ago now, and struggled before she became a Christian with anxiety and anger, and actually thought when she became a Christian it would go, and it didn't. She still struggled a lot, and, and uh, people said to her, you know what you want to do? You need to go on a Freedom in Christ course. So she came to the first week, which is probably about five, weeks, uh, five years ago, and, uh, and she was so anxious and so agitated, she couldn't even stay. So she came to week one and went, went that was no good. And she kind of in and out of church. She couldn't really understand. She still loved Jesus, but she was still kind of like, you know, really in, in quite traumatized by this anxiety. She couldn't really live her life. Um, and it was like paralyzing. And in fact, um, I remember then uh, probably about two or three years ago, a friend of hers, also a Christian, said to her, I think you need to try this course again. Why don't you come? But this time, I know it's difficult for you, I will come with you. And um, I, will, I will sit through the whole course with you and I will also help you afterwards and during. And, and often we encourage people to do that. If you're sitting here going, oh, I couldn't go on a course like that either. Or I know friends who couldn't. Actually, we encourage you to come and, and sit alongside someone. So that's what she did. She came along. And I remember the first week sitting in a group like this and said, um, okay, what are your expectations? Well, the fun, what are your expectations for this course? And she was the first person to speak. And she said, I just want to be free from this paralyzing anxiety. It's just stopping me live. It's stopping me living my life. I just want to be free from this. You know, and God's peace has the power to transform uh, people from the inside and actually impact their chaotic lives. It doesn't say that their chaotic lives are going to necessarily be changed completely, but it does say you can actually, through a supernatural peace, have a peace even in this difficulty. So right from the outset, when Jesus came, he came to bring peace. On the hillside outside Bethlehem, the angels appeared to shepherds and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Um, another familiar words in, around his birth is in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you. Clearly, prophetically, this rule and reign of God is one of peace. So how do we see that? And it's, we're going to look at some of the encounters Jesus had where he bought peace. And it's funny, Graham and I were going through this. There are loads of them in the Bible. And we were looking at them all. And we're thinking, actually, if, if we went through all of these, we'd be here until about tea time. And I don't think this is a week where you've provided lunch, is it? So I thought we'd better move on. So should we, should we do all of them? Okay. Okay, about six hours we've got. <laughs> no, we chose four. Um, and just really in Luke chapter 7 and 8. So if you've got your Bible, you might want to flick around, but you don't have to don't have to. Um, the first one we're looking at is the bereaved widow. Very briefly, I'll tell you the story. Um, it's in 7, 11, verse 11. Uh, basically, she was a widow and her only son died. And Jesus came up and said, uh, don't weep. Place yourself in her position. Many of us, uh, probably all of us, have lost people that we, we, we dearly love. And you can feel that the heartache for her loss. This isn't just a story in the Bible. This is, this is real life. This isn't just a parable. This is real life. And, uh, and also she was a, a widow. So for her, 
She had lost her husband and now her son. So fear for her future as well. How, who was going to provide? What was going to happen? And he said, do not weep. Now, that wasn't because he was uncompassionate. In fact, uh, when, he, he, when his friend Lazarus died, he said he wept. He was someone who felt sadness. He, he walked alongside people. He, he, he understood compassion. But what he said is, don't weep. Jesus enters into our pain. But he actually said in this situation, actually, let's stop the procession. You picture it. The procession's going. Funeral's happening. He said, stop the procession. And he speaks to the dead young man and says, young man, arise. And he sat up and he get, began to speak. And Jesus then gave him back to his mother. Imagine. Jesus there is in the midst of grief and heartache. I love this about Jesus. He doesn't run away. He doesn't try and avoid the situation. Think, oh, I don't know how to talk about this. This is an awkward situation. He, he's, he has tenderness and sensitivity, but also such power and authority. He says, has a peace that calms the heart. Then uh, just literally a few verses on, he, he has a meal with a Pharisee. So one of the, the spiritual leaders of the time, religious leaders of the time, says, come round for a meal. So he goes round for a meal. Again, another familiar story. He says Jesus was relaxed with him. He's reclining and, and having a meal with this, with this leader. And then out of the blue, this it says a woman of a street, of the city came in, which basically means a prostitute. Um, a little bit of an awkward situation here. And he, she sat behind him and then wept in shame and actually cleansed his feet and put perfume over his feet. Ever been in a place where you've kind of thought you've made a decision or you've done something, you thought, I just regret that. She was living in, in a regret of her life and she came to Jesus was filled with shame. It can totally dominate our thinking, can't it? If we think, I wish we hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't been like that. How did Jesus relate to this lady? Push her away, felt awkward, embarrassed, I wondered what the Pharisee was thinking. Actually, he knew what the Pharisee was thinking because he was God. <laughs> he, knew what the, he knew what they were saying. In fact, the Pharisee was thinking, oh, if, if Jesus was really God, he would know that this lady was a woman of, of the street. He did know that. He knew everything. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows what we, what we say before we say them. He knows everything. And he didn't judge her. He knew who she was. He didn't judge her. He didn't push her away. This is what he does. He says, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Shame removed. Guilt gone. She went in peace. I love that about Jesus. love how he restores and, and turns despair to hope. Opens prison doors. You no longer need to carry this shame. Be at peace. He brings a peace that calms the soul. And sometimes we can be familiar with these stories, can't we? Go, yeah, I, under, I remember that story about the, the, you know, the prostitute and yes, you know, met Jesus. Actually, this happens today. Literally, the last... This week, on Wednesday evening, I was meeting with a lady, with another lady, and we were praying together. And about halfway through the evening, this lady just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and just said, I've done stuff that really I'm not proud of, not pleased about. It's, it's terrible. You know, and God met with her. It's just Wednesday evening. God met with her and forgave her, reassured her of her love, and gave her peace. At the end of the evening, I just said, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> you all right? And she said, it's the best thing that's happened, apart from becoming a Christian. This is amazing. She walked out with peace. These aren't just fluffy little stories or stories that you kind of get familiar with or stories in a, in a, in a children's book. This is the reality of the kingdom of God that is happening when Jesus walked the earth and today. Let's carry on. In, in Luke 8, 
Jesus calms a storm. Again, a familiar story. One day, uh, Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples, and suddenly the storm blows up. He's asleep. And disciples are starting to think, this is a bit scary. You know, the, the, the waves are getting higher and higher. They're crashing in. And um, they start to think, we're going to sink. We're going to die. And says, Jesus, what are you doing? Wake up. You know, don't you care? They must have been thinking, what's, what's he? we're all going to die. And he doesn't care. Is he even, is he even there? And um, ever been in a situation where you think, oh, goodness, you know, it's, it feels overwhelming. You know, and you feel not the physical waves, but you just feel the waves of it's like another thing that's just hit me. And you just get through that crisis and another thing hits you. And you think, goodness, is, is Jesus even there? Is God even there? I just feel alone with this. And what happened? Jesus um, woke up. And uh, I love this of how he responds in Mark version. In Mark 4, it says, And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace. It's a theme here, isn't there? Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Still no faith? And he speaks peace to the storm, peace that calms our fear. We're... Um, I, I gather together, many of you, some of you might know, you might not know, but I, I run a course called the uh, Freed for Purpose course. Um, many of you have been on the course, actually, from here. And uh, before we start, it starts at 7.30, before we start, we have the, the guys who help lead uh, come together and we pray. So at 7 o'clock, everyone gathers. And there's just one evening, a couple of months ago, where, where one leader was coming in and just said, oh, I've had a really, you know, it's just been a really tough week, and started saying about what happened. And then the next leader came in and said, Oh, this is really tough. I don't know. You know, I don't know whether I can, I can help you tonight. And then the another, I was thinking, this is difficult. This feels wearisome. And we all sat down and said, okay, we better pray because we're not only not feeling it's tough here, but actually we're now going to have to lead something. And, um, and then another girl came in a little bit later. She was, she was walking across the uh, car park and she said, just as I was walking across the car park, I just felt these words. I felt it was God saying, I've got it in hand. You know, when she said that, it's just everyone went, ah. Oh. And there's an immediate peace about our own situations and about what we were going into. And we just end up just thanking God, saying, it's not about us. This isn't about us. It's not about how we lead. It's not about how we speak. It's not about what we do. It's not about our life. It's not about our circumstances. God, you've got it in hand. And there is a peace. Isn't it wonderful when God does that? And I believe he does want to do that. Daily, regularly, all the time. And then from the storm, we're moving on for the, for the fourth story. Jesus meets Legion. This is in Luke 8, 26. He arrives, just the storm is finished. He said calm. He then gets to the other side of the lake and another storm hits him in the form of a guy who comes screaming naked at him and homeless. And he says, uh, leave me alone. He says, don't torment me. He was uncontrollable. He was incredibly tormented. A man so clearly not in his right mind. What did Jesus do? He delivers him from this evil. He sets him free and silences the voices. How do we feel when we have people who are perhaps not in their right mind? Clearly distressed or clearly uh, uh, struggling in life. Do we look to avoid thinking, this could be a bit overwhelming. This could be a bit overwhelming for me. Um, I don't know how to engage in conversation. I'm not quite sure how to handle this. Let's hope someone else gets involved. What did Jesus do? He actually took a boat and went directly to him. No avoidance, went straight there and actually dealt with the situation and calmed him. 
He said, he, he then uh, listened to this. He then said, um, uh, can I go? The guy begged him, said, Jesus, take me with you. This, you're an amazing guy. I don't quite know who you are or what's happened, but I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, return home. You can now go home. You have a home. Go back to your family. Show them what God has done. I love how Jesus brings reconciliation and, and restoration to lives, lives that are broken. We have lives that are broken all around us. Wherever we go, walking down the street, our neighbours, our own lives have been broken. And we had a, a, a lady, probably I don't know, January time, Graham, who came into the, the church and she was clearly tormented and distressed and was, didn't seem in her right mind. And, and one of the welcome team actually at the end just asked someone to sit with her because, and she couldn't make eye contact. Uh, and, uh, and she said, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't, I shouldn't even be in this building. This person said, well, why not? I said, I've been involved in stuff. And it, it's, it's, it's dark. It's occult. It's, it's actually satanic stuff. And this lady said, well, why are you here? And she just said, well, I was in one of these meetings and they were trying to get rid of this Jesus. They kept saying, get rid of this Jesus. And I thought, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus they want to get rid of? So she said, I kept driving past this building, King Center. It's a... <laughs> Got big, so I've never been there. It's quite, it's one roundabout, and it's quite easy to see. So, and I just felt as if I should come in, but I shouldn't be here. This lady said, "You are very welcome. You are very welcome." And she couldn't make eye contact. They said, let, let, "Let's. Why don't you go on a course called Alpha? That introduced you to this Jesus." So she went on Alpha. And she started to change. And her daughter then came on Alpha. She had a, a teenager daughter. And uh, within a few weeks, she gave her life to the Lord Jesus, who she realized then who he was and why they wanted to get rid of him. And uh, Easter, both of them were baptized. Incredible. She now says, There's, I have such a peace. I go into work and people say, you're completely different. She's no longer tormented. She makes eye contact. She chats. She's now actually serving uh, teas and coffees in the, in the foyer. It's incredible. This is such a short period of time. God came and transformed and met her and gave her peace. Four encounters. Well, I won't go into the other 24, Graham, is that all right? But the four encounters within days of each other to the, the grieving widow, he restores her son, brings peace to her heart. To the broken woman, he restores her dignity, brings peace to her soul. To the fearful followers, he restores their faith and brings peace in the storm. To the tormented man, he restores his mind and brings peace in the confusion. And not, long, not, long, uh, not long after these encounters, sorry, uh, Jesus then started talking about uh, uh, his death. He gathers his disciples together and starts to reveal his plan and says, look, I, I'm going to suffer. So he gathers his disciples, I'm going to suffer. And then I'm, I'm going to be rejected and then I'll be killed. But it's okay, because three days later, I'll be back. And, um, and, but the thing is, there is a but. If you're going to follow me, you must be prepared for the same treatment. Imagine hearing this news. You know, you're one of the disciples gathering around. How do you process this sort of information? How do you process this at all? You're thinking, but Jesus, you, you know, look at all the good you're doing. You're seeing people's lives transformed. You are healing people. You are setting captives free. It's incredible. It's almost like you're at the top of your game. What are you talking about death for? That's surely not what you mean. Things are going well. What's it feel like? How do we process things when um, we hear about people we love who have a terminal illness? How do we process things where, 
where a spouse might say, I'm no longer staying with you. We have fear and anxiety, confusion and sadness. Let's look how Jesus prepared the disciples on the night he was betrayed. So having a final meal with his friends. Look at John 14.1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. How would your heart not be troubled? He's just informed them about being handed over. Uh, being betrayed, not just betrayed by anyone randomly, but one of his closest friends, one of them in the room. And within 24 hours, he would be dead. How can he not be troubled? That's what he says. Let your heart not be troubled. What hope did he give? What reassurance? What promise? We're going to read, actually, from uh, verse 25, 14, 25. It might come up on the screen, but if it doesn't, have a look in your Bible or just listen. It says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. So he's telling them, this is going to happen. You don't know it's going to happen, but this is going to happen. It looks, sounds unbelievable, but I'm telling you this because when it does happen, you go, oh, it's okay, Jesus told us it's going to happen. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. It's one of the most amazing things in the Bible to realize that just hours before he was about to be crucified, Jesus was concerned with his disciples' peace. It's amazing. I don't know, what do you think we would be doing if we knew that we were not only going to be killed tomorrow, but also we're going to be tortured? I'm not sure whether I would be concerned that much about your peace i don't know i don't know whether i would i think i'd be more concerned about my peace and my faith and what i think is going to be happening and just think actually you guys you can sort yourself out you know um, unless of course jesus had filled me with a peace that gave me the freedom to actually then think about you it can't be me it surely wouldn't be me it'd have to be supernatural we see this over and over again, and I'm sure that you've experienced this times in your life. I, I, I emailed a few people, and Fran was one of those I emailed, and just said, how did you cope you know, when, when things are difficult? And she, was, she said, I'll, show, I'll write you an, a short email. A short <laughs> and within that short email, there was like, you know, verse after verse after verse. And actually, you incorporated the verses we've just read about peace be with you. This is what you look to Jesus. It is all about focusing on Jesus and having good people around you who will encourage you along that route. And we have um, a lovely guy um, in, in Eastbourne who was, had a diagnosis of terminal cancer. And um, every time him and his wife, he had teenage children at the time, every time him and his wife went to the hospital, he would come back and he'd say, you know what, God went before me. It was amazing. This nurse did this and nurse did that. And it's great when the doctor, I'm thinking, how can you be saying this? What terminal cancer. And then he said, but I'm concerned with my kids. Let's pray for our kids. So we prayed for the kids and actually they came through 
and they're doing amazingly well. And, uh, and actually, really, he's given a very short um, life expectancy. He went to the consultant. I spoke to him just a, a month or two ago. And the, the consultant said, this is incredible. It's still kind of there. It's not growing anymore. But you shouldn't even be here. <laughs> peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is what Jesus was aiming at just before he suffers. I want you to have peace. I want you to have unshakable faith. This guy wasn't healed yet, isn't healed yet. Um, and you might think, you know, actually, this has a bit of a strange thing that, that the Lord of the universe on his last night should be focusing on building peace into individuals' lives. See, surely we should be looking at something far bigger, far more powerful, far more exciting. Now, this is what John Piper, theologian, top theologian, says. Just pick your crisis. We can do that as, we, as we're sitting here. Pick your crisis, your injustice. Poverty with all its internal or external causes, perhaps, or the devastation of drug addiction, or white-collar corruption, or, or money laundering, or embezzling, or bribery, or, or, even, or pick an ethnic or religious hostility. You know, like the, the Burmese against the Chinese Kachin, or the, or the Nigerian Muslims against the Nigerian Christians, or the, or the butchery in Syria. I could go on and on. It's quite depressing. <laughs> you think, there's so much out there. Surely, Jesus should have been thinking about this sort of thing. This is what John Piper goes on to say. I ask, where do these things come from? Where do these human impulses come from that drive all these destructive behaviors? They come from hearts devoid of the peace of Christ, devoid of the joy of Christ, of the faith of Christ. But where that peace and that joy and that faith are central, those behaviors are overcome. There will be a day when Jesus will return. They pull out all the weeds and bring peace and joy in all its glory an everlasting peace where, where there won't be brokenness or sickness or death or shame or fear. But for now, that's not what Jesus is actually focusing on. He's focusing on our heart because he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And it's not the peace of, of good circumstance either. You know, uh, we know that the world, and, and Jesus knew that the world can offer a peace of mind based on our circumstances. If, if everything is going well, we can feel at peace, can't we? Yeah, things are going well. It's great. Nice sunny day. No worries, no problems. Work's going good. Kids are doing fine. Phew, I can have peace. And we do things to actually help ourselves as well, don't we? We take out pensions. Who has a pension? Most of us, pensions, they're good. House insurance. Yeah. Pet insurance. Yeah. Well, we have, we have two dogs. We only have one lot of pet insurance. We have a good dog and a bad dog. And um, <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't have insurance for our old cranky one. But um, no, <laughs> none of these things are wrong. Thank you, Ashley. We're not saying these are wrong. But that's how the world can give us peace. It makes things, our life, safe and secure and constant. We think it's okay. We're, this is all right. But Jesus says, not as the world gives you, do I give you? Which means this peace is not based on good circumstance. You know, it, is, it, it's, it actually is, holds strong when things are difficult. In John 16, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, which means trouble and worry and hardship and tragedy and trauma. But take heart in that hardship as I have overcome the world. He wants us to have peace now. You know, his peace, not our peace, not something that we can muster up. It's his peace. 
And, you know, it says it won't make sense if you're not a Christian. So if you're not a Christian here, you kind of think, what on earth are you talking about? Who are you? <laughs> and Paul calls in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It's beyond understanding. Our, our, human, our human understanding can't produce it. We can't grasp it. We can't make it happen. It's a supernatural thing. So you might be going, well, what do we do then? How, how do we get this? And the answer is in verse 26 we read earlier. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Remember I was telling you about um, the lady that I kind of left hanging, that, that she came on the freedom course, uh, she left off the first one, came to the next one, and she said, I just want to be free from this paralyzing anxiety. Well, halfway through the course, we were there in a, in a small group. We split into small groups, and, uh, and the leader there said, okay, we're just going to pray. And she said, I can't. I can't even pray. I'm petrified in praying. So they said, okay, don't worry about that. Keep, just keep your eyes open and chat to God. And actually, you can do that by just by, there's lots of verses on the table. Just pick one of those verses and just say thank you to him for that particular verse. So she looked down and she said, as she looked down, there was one verse, it was like highlighted. It wasn't highlighted. She just felt it was highlighted. And it said this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So she read that. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then she kept speaking and speaking and praying and praying. And then other people were going, okay, we're joining. So other people prayed and stuff. And then the evening kind of ended and she went. And then the next week she came back and said, I didn't want to say anything on that day, but, but my fear's just gone. And it, and it is completely gone. I just feel at peace. Now, that was great. Now, this is two years on. She's now in a job that she loves. She uh, not only just goes out with her daughter, she didn't even go out with her daughter. She took her daughter on her first holiday to Paris, to Disneyland, and just had an amazing time. And she emailed me probably about a month or so ago and said, I've got to let you know, I've just been accepted to do a master's degree. She said, who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? And uh, a few weeks ago, we, we had a conference at, at the King Centre for um, about 220 church leaders and pastoral teams. And she was up there on the stage giving her story. This is a lady a few years ago who said she was paralyzed by anxiety. How amazing is that? This is a God who says, I'm sending you the helper and he will bring to mind and teach you what is true. He will remind us who he is and he is powerful and faithful and he will do what he said. We need his help and he's actually wanting to help us. He doesn't want our lives to be crippled by anxiety or inner conflict. He promises to walk with us and be with us and strengthen us in our fear and our shame and our torment. Just like when he walked with the uh, bereaved widow. And, and he sat with a broken woman and he was in the boat with the disciples and he crossed the lake to be with a tormented man. So they were not alone. And actually, we aren't alone. So despite whatever happens, good things, bad things, sickness, cancers, breakups, heartaches, injustices, mistreatments, we can still know that despite it all, all is well. All is well with my soul. I think um, Andrew may have spoken about uh, Horatio Spafford before. You might be, some of you might be familiar with his story, but I'm going to end on this. 
Horatio's got a great name, hasn't he? Horatio Spafford. <laughs> he was a rich, successful lawyer in Chicago in the 1860s. And in 1870, tragedy hit. His only son died of scarlet fever at the age of four. And a year later, there was the great Chicago fire, and it destroyed all his real estate. And, um, and it's like his life was in ruins, and he's with his, his wife, and he knew that the toll that he'd put on his wife and his four daughters. So he said, we're going to have a trip to Europe, and we just need a holiday. So they uh, took the boat to France, and um, when they got to France, he then had some business transactions he had to deal with. And he was, said, oh, it's going to delay me. Why don't you, my wife, and the four daughters go ahead of me? I don't want you to, to miss your holiday. And uh, they got on the boat. But tragedy fell. The French boat collided with an English vessel. The boat was shipwrecked and he received a telegram from his wife and it just said, saved alone. His four daughters had all died. On hearing the news, Horatio boarded the next ship to join his bereaved wife during his voyage. While passing over the place where the ship sank, he penned the lyrics of a a well-known hymn, It is well with my soul. It goes like this, When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul it is well with my soul it is well with my soul though satan should buffet though trials should come let the blessed assurance control that christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul A familiar song. Spafford's song reveals a supernatural peace. He's lost everything. And that can only come from one place, can't it? The cross of Jesus Christ. When we stand, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask if John will lead us in that song. <laughs> I just want to um, pray before we sing and say thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for modelling a life which is just extraordinary in the way that you walk with people, you love people, you don't avoid the difficult circumstances and difficult situations. You feel the pain, you feel the grief, and yet you come and you meet and you bring peace. And then when you left, you said, I'm not going to leave you alone, I'm going to give you a helper who will help us to look to the cross, help us to see all that you've done so that we can know that peace. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you say, and you say to us, I've got it in hand. I love the way you spoke to us earlier this morning and you were just saying, peace, bring peace to people who are anxious, bring peace to those who've got headaches, bring peace to those who've got stomach problems. God, I pray that we better hold on to what you're saying. I pray you come and meet with us because we know that you're saying, I've got it in hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus.